Hi, I'm Andrew Bracey. I'm a health writer and journalist, and in this interview series for Creative Careers in Medicine, I'll be talking with some fascinating doctors about the amazing things they're doing, both in their medical careers and alongside them, and how seeking out their own paths has enriched their personal and professional lives. We'll be speaking with doctors who are also authors, med tech entrepreneurs, innovators, filmmakers, acclaimed musicians, founders of successful businesses, advocates for their profession, and educational leaders. Doctors who are expanding their horizons by taking charge of their careers. Before I get to my guest on this episode, I want to remind you about the CCIM 2019 Symposium. That's the Creative Careers in Medicine 2019 event happening in August on the Gold Coast. This year's event is going to be taking place over two days. That's August 3 and 4. There's so much being packed into this one. We've got TEDx-style talks, workshops, one-on-one career counselling, uh, Medical Careers Expo. There's already a bunch of really great speakers lined up, so get online and check it out. There's going to be more exploration of talents outside of medicine, so you can take a creative class, you can learn how to get your side business up and going from those who've taken the jump themselves, made it happen. You can wander through the CCIM art exhibition, and there's even going to be a pool party. Once again, that's August 3 and 4 on the Gold Coast. For more details and to register, Go to creativecareersinmedicine.com and, of course, you can follow CCIM on Facebook and Instagram. So, my guest on today's episode is Dr. Tony Chu, a paediatric registrar with a 30-plus year career in medicine. He's also produced and directed more than 35 short films, and he's racked up a few awards along the way. As an actor, Tony has popped up in many of Australia's most popular TV shows like Pack to the Rafters, Rake, and All Saints, and... Through his various projects and initiatives, he's long been an advocate and facilitator for creativity and artistic expression among his medical colleagues. Tony's latest project has been inspired by the case of Dr. Yumiko Kadota, a surgeon who most of our listeners will be aware of, who she recently made national headlines by speaking out after her career was brought undone by a toxic hospital culture that, as she wrote in The Guardian recently, she said, had left her physically alive but spiritually broken. Her story of being overworked to the point of breaking by a system that she felt saw her as expendable and replaceable reignited debate about the kinds of changes that are needed to not only better support and train our junior doctors, but to prevent doctors at all stages of their careers from burnout. Tony's aim is to tell Dr. Kadota's story through an independent feature film, using doctors at every stage of the creative process. He says he hopes that by doing so, the project will further raise awareness of this burning issue and foster change. In this interview, Tony speaks a bit about the project, uh, the, prevent- the potential involvement of Dr. Kadota, um, and we talk a lot about the how he's been able to balance his medical career with his creative aspirations. I started by asking him about whether he'd ever personally felt that the pressures of a medical career had dampened or at times threatened to extinguish his own creative spark. For sure, I guess the, that entry point would have been when you started medicine yeah. <laughs> as a student. Yeah, uh, there, there's a lot of overwhelming. You know, when you embark on medicine, I guess I'm, I'm back to talking back to when I did my medical training, which was from 1981 to 1985. Graduated in 1986. That was a five year course. So you you were pretty much a student, and you just focused on being learning all the medicine, and you just no, there was no way any creativity and energy you have any space headspace for any of that Mm. and then after your intern years your residency and then i went into pediatric training 
all your focus then was on learning and studying and working and there's no opportunity then to, to have any outlet for you you just went eat work study <laughs> sleep they're, they're the three cycles yeah, four cycles yeah. you went for so uh so yeah no the the and there was there came a time uh when i went to part-time that then i explored other options and thought back to you know when i was creative during the school primary school and high school years and and i thought well i'd like to see if there is that spark back in me when i thought i had some acting chops mm. and then started doing the acting courses short courses uh then went into amateur theater musical theater and then started doing some screen acting and found oh look i can do this i can match yeah. <laughs> match my skills with with other people that were doing the you know the courses at this at the same time so then i got this uh confidence in saying well i can do acting well my journey is actually from acting so yeah it was 20 years ago that i went and started all this and then got into acting and so then this was by the sense of it doing for basically in your own yeah. time essentially at the very start of it sort of you know rekindling that Correct. creative spark and going back and saying yes and just in your own time going out and doing some courses and getting things going i mean how yes how supportive were you know your your managers or you know your colleagues and and when when it started to step away from your own time and because i imagine at some point there was a case of okay i need to try and balance um and find a bit more quality time to actually devote to this rather than just yes in in, on my days off or my my downtime also how did you sort of manage to work towards striking that balance Okay. Well, you you have to make that decision. Um, in the end, I, I I'm working still at, at the hospital, so I've always only worked at the hospital. Mm. So I work uh, as a pediatric registrar. This happened even when you were when I was in CDN. I think you asked me, I'm a pediatric registrar. Then I'm still a pediatric registrar yeah. now, working in that capacity. So you have to make a conscious decision. So uh, as a pediatric registrar, I got very good at what I did um, I, you know I've got skill levels and and then you then I stepped away and worked part-time mm. and so that was the only way I could manage it if you think about an actor who has to be has an audition the next day yeah. you if you schedule shifts and and all that sort of thing you you just can't you can't ask your managers ask your bosses to look up I've got an audition at two o'clock and I'm scheduled for a 12-hour shift they, no one can find cover for you at short notice like yeah. that. Yeah. So, I, yeah, so I consciously said, look, if I'm serious about being creative uh, as an actor and then writer and filmmaker, I chose to work part-time. So I do the Friday night shifts, which is why when you uh, contacted me last Friday, I said, oh, no, I'm doing a Friday night shift. So <laughs> if, I do a Friday ni- <laughs> if I do a Friday night shift, that gives me the weekday to do my creative stuff. Yeah. And then I, I choose like, Friday or, or weekend shifts, then that doesn't interfere with being creative because mm-hmm. you really got to dedicate that space, head, not only headspace, but also uh, you just can't recover from a night shift and try and be creative the next day. Well, yeah, I was going to say because <laughs> it, it, it must be such a psychological shift as well going from quite yeah. um, what I imagine. I mean, I've never been yeah. <laughs> working in hospital myself, but um, having talk to a lot of doctors who have um the, you know just that it's a it's such a different realm and then being being able to step into a, a dramatic um 
environment where you've got to try and be present for the people around you, whether it's the actors or, you know, being able to listen to direction or, or even in your, in your, a lot of your roles, being able to direct people and, and, and communicate effectively to them what you're trying to achieve in a particular scene or, or whatever it might be that you're working on that day. How, how did you sort of get to that point where you were able to sort of switch gears? Was it, did it sort of come naturally or was it something you had to learn? Okay, good point. That's a very good question. The answer, it comes in two parts, and both of what you said is correct. One of them, it was a huge learning curve to go into this creative space, which is which is really different from medicine, which is, yeah. you know, there's a medicine discipline. We go think logically. We go, you know, work, a, work out through an algorithm, step-by-step approach to work out, you know, what the diagnosis is, management and treatment and that. To go into the creative space, you really got to let yourself go. And this is why some of the courses were useful, to let yourself go into that creative world. Um, And it took a while to switch. Uh, Your question was quite right. Be able to switch, switch gears to be creative. But then, you know, the other second part of the question, the second answer to that is, I've been able to translate some of my skills in the medical world and apply them to this creative world. And and this comes in uh, not more the acting side, but more in the film direction side. So being a team leader, which you do in a hospital, like, yeah. you know, you, you, you register, you, you talk to nurses and junior doctors and senior doctors all the time. So being a team leader is what a director does, a producer does, that you... You're, you're, you know, you're getting the team together. You're getting everyone following the same vision. And then uh, you're drawing on the skills of all each individual people that need to contribute. You know, each need to contribute towards the, the care of one patient. In that sense, exactly, exactly. Everyone has. You've got to be able to listen to people's viewpoints. You've got to be able to, you know, you can't, you know, suppress people who've got good ideas. So you've got to let them have a, you know, every, everyone has an input. Then you mould the mold the decision-making towards a certain direction. So those skills were translatable. Being, in fact, I, my own feeling is I think being in a hospital environment and working as a, as a registrar level has really prepped me very well in uh, film direction, as a film yeah. director. So much so, I, th- I don't think, I, I feel it's, the, <laughs> being very biased, I think it's <laughs> the best grounding uh, for you know, usually I work you know, as an actor. I work with certain directors, mm. and you see them. Well, you you lack communication skills. Yeah. You're, you're a diva. You know, you're, you're going off on your own tangent. Oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. You can, you know, you. Uh, it, it was. I, I can see a lot of inefficiencies in in some of the directors that I work with, and so that's why I stepped up and said, "Look, I can do direction because I've seen it. How good directors do things mm. from an actor's perspective." Yeah. And then I took on that role and then effectively made it, you know, so much to do with effective communication, you know, being able to, you know, to listen to people and still you're going to make a decision. You can't be like a wishy-washy, oh, yeah, I heard you, you can't make a decision. You make a good decision and get everyone on board. Let's let's go along this direction. So, mm. yeah. And I guess so, that, yes, yeah, that, the, a lot of that confidence yeah. comes, you know, obviously you've got, as I said at the start, it was 15 years you've been doing this for now and you, you, you get, I guess, a clearer idea of, of what, you, what you want um, in, in yes. production as well yes. and then how to achieve it and, and, and to draw those performances or, 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 or whatever it might need to, that, that the people that are contributing, whether it's skills or whatever, um, to, to bring all yes. that together, yeah. Very true, very true. The execution is such a critical part. So you may have all the knowledge and know-how of how to direct, but you've got to actually apply it. You've got to be able to get work people to get, get their best performances, mm. get, the, get the best, you know, designer, uh, you know, 
best from everyone from the designer to the you know to, to the lighting to the camera guy you know you've got to be you know they're yeah it, it is a multi multi-team approach yeah. so yeah yeah so i guess but going moving on to your the latest project the one that i've contacted you about initially here the, okay. your, latest, yep. your latest project being inspired by the, the story of yumiko kadota and her awful yes um case of workplace burnout and overwork yes um yeah. can you tell us i guess yeah. in the notes that you've sent me through this is about it's very much about um uh, raising awareness of the kinds of workplace culture issues yes. that doctors experience and that we need to to, to work better to, to overcome in, in our hospital systems. Um, yes. But is this also perhaps even a, an opportunity for, for people like yourself and your colleagues in, in the hospital system to sort of process some of the stuff that, um, that you know, whether it's personal stuff that you, you guys have been through during your own yes. training and, and junior years in, in the system um, or, yep. you know, seeing people like um, Yumiko struggling um, as well. Like what's, I guess, mm-hmm. what's, the, what's the, um, the inspiration for this one? Oh, okay. What I, I might, what I'll do, I'll backtrack three years yeah, ago. Sure. Um, yeah, just just to say that um, I am in this space, so um, I like to tell stories. <clears throat> so as a storyteller, I'm always looking for good stories, and you know, the stories that resonate actually come from the environment that I work with. So mm-hmm. three years ago, I was made aware of the doctor suicides that happened. So. I don't know if you're aware, but there were a number of doctors that suicided. Uh, there was a, like a cluster yep. uh, that psychiatric uh, registrars and there were other doctors. And and then the the big article, the trigger article came out about this surgical registrar. Uh, actually, it was released on International Women's Day, would you believe? Mm-hmm. When International Women's Day, this surgical registrar was told uh, by one of her seniors that she should sleep with the the surgeon who was her boss because he was has it was the, the story was about sexual favors and right. she was advised you should do it you go and do it and this created a huge um outpouring of you know people were talking about how they were bullied and harassed yeah. and yeah. and the whole issue they came they came three years ago mm. so three years ago my action point then was listening to this i said oh well what if i created some workshops uh where i could uh help junior doctors and students do role play because I come from an acting background. Yep. Let's do a medical role play. So we, we go through and and try and uh, role play those difficult scenarios, whether it's, you know, sexual harassment or whether it's bullying or whether we're simple like breaking bad news or difficult conversations and angry patients, all the difficult ones, but bring it into a safe environment. Mm. Doctors are role playing. We look at the, do what we call playback theatre, you know, look at what, what the you know what we did and how difficult was the conversation and then you know find ways we could better do this yeah, you know yeah. if, if you had your time again so at that point three years ago i, I offered this I, I created these workshops i offered it to hospitals and and um, universities some of them took it up some of them were really part of you know really wanted to do it uh-huh. uh, and I'm, i've been asked to come back again and again to go and do more role plays and uh, and so I'm a lecturer in medical communication. I've done it at the University of Western Sydney and the University of Wollongong. Yep. Um, other places, I said, no, we don't want these workshops. Bullying doesn't happen in our hospital. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah. there's a sort of, sort of denial. Yeah, I said, okay, yeah, fine, yeah. Look, I, I, I'll offer it. But anyway, so, but, you know, the, my impact for those workshops were, 
were effective to the to the junior doctors and the and the medical students that did them, but my scope was limited because you can only influence the amount of people that you could do. Yeah. Sure. So when this burnout issue came up, I thought I'm going to take a different approach. I'm not going to offer workshops because I think that that's still a limited audience. Yeah. Why don't we tell this story to a wider audience? So we're not only talking to doctors and medical students. We are going to put this out there as a as a multi-layered medical story with multiple layers, grays and complexities, and it's not just a simple solution. Mm. And we bring this out to a wider public, general public audience, and really uh, make it an, it, it can't be didactic teaching, it can't be like a do's and don'ts, yep. and uh, you know, like a, you know, you should do it this way, we're, we're gonna open it up, tell a good story, get people engaged, and in one of the emails, I said, I want even, I want to make the audience cry for that, so they feel the moment that, uh, you know, the doctors are going through or, you know, the administrators are going through or whatever. It's a yeah. multi-layered story. Yeah. Yeah. And, and really bring, I, I'm, I'm not, yeah, awareness and, and, and bringing home social issues are part of it. But you know what? The actor, no, the filmmaker in me wants to tell a good story, sure. wants to tell a story that, uh, that other people can relate to. And, you know, it, I've had emails from people, this bullying doesn't only happen in medicine, as you know, bullying happens in all a number of workplaces. Yeah. So we're trying to tell a story that other people can identify with, and not only for Australia, but for, let's make it uh, aim for a big audience. Let's aim for international audience. So it is It is all about storytelling. I've had some emails, you may have seen the th email threads, about, you know, uh, movie making is hard, filmmaking is hard. Well, you know, it is hard, but would you believe if you tell a story that comes from a personal place and you can tell it well, you know, there have been breakthrough movies that have gone through and, and been very successful. So there's a lot of negativity out there. You've seen some of the negative posts and people yeah. wanting to challenge me and, you know, other people that say, you know, why are you doing this, you know. And I, I stick to what, what is what I'm good at. And you've got to be um, a good storyteller. You've got to execute it well. And, uh, you know, and this medical drama is what doctors are strong at. So that's mm -hmm. why I'm going back to the group and say, look, you've got a, a number of stories. At the meeting, what I'll tell people is, look, I, you know, that's great. I want you to write it down. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, so many people uh, as a filmmaker pitch to me stories. I reckon you should do this. I'm gonna, I say, okay, fine. You write it down, you make it real for yourself. Mm -hmm. That way, it's real. Like, you know, I don't I don't care about you have verbal ideas and you've got this and that and I've got this greatest idea for a movie. Show <laughs> I don't real. care about that. Yeah, sorry, show yeah you've got a real... You're, you're, you're a writer. So I have a strong affinity with writers. Mm. You write it down, you you mould the project, you, you shift it, you think, oh, no, that doesn't work, you go around and then you create a product. So... Yeah. People, if they're interested, you've got to write it down. So yeah, so that's where I'm coming from. It's it is. I'm 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 no longer looking at uh, just inwardly small-minded. I am looking big picture, big picture, which is very doable in the context of what we're trying to say. Sure. You mentioned just in in that um, uh, passage that you, you talked about how you know there have been there has been some sort of pushback, um, some doctors that perhaps aren't as supportive um, of what you're trying to do here. Whether yeah. you know whether it's that you know whether it's that case of you know just let just, you know let let um, 
Yumiko sort of move on and sort of try and process it. How, I understand you've spoken to her, obviously we're very early stages in this project, you've spoken to her initially, how, how sort of um, supportive is she of, of this sort of project? And what oh yeah, very supportive. Right. Um, she is very supportive. I originally emailed her and said, Yumiko, this is what we're doing, but uh, look, you know, we, we're not going to use your name. Uh -huh. uh, we, we, we're going to just be based on a true, you know, based on, yeah. you know, in true Inspired events by, and yep. all that sort of thing. Yep. Yeah, all that sort of stuff. And she comes back and says, no, that's fine. You can use my name. Uh, you can say it's a real story. In fact, I want I want to be in your film. I want to act in your film. Right. <laughs> so she's she's feeling, but uh, you know, she says I used to act when I was in school, so oh, okay. I have got a bit of acting background. So gotta, I guess the the, the really um, I guess exciting thing is that that she does she does genuinely see the value in this and wants to be um, sort of a part of what hopefully um, can be some kind of positive mm. change in this in this having having experienced yeah. obviously the, the the worst sort of um, dark you know the the, the bad side of it or yes. to be able to try and do something for her colleagues that um that, that might help to change that culture or at least getting people yes. thinking about the sorts of things that have you know contributed to to the trouble that she and, and awful experiences that she went through that sort of took her to the, that you know, i think there was that quote that she wrote in the, yes. in the guardian about how she had felt physically alive but was it emotionally um uh, almost dead or numb certainly yeah yes yeah agree agree so i i did want I, I, as a courtesy, I wanted her to give us her blessing, mm. uh, but she's come back and saying, "Look, I'm I'm strongly for it." <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, uh, it, I think it's good. The reason why, I mean, then yeah, there's all heap of other doctors that, oh, Yumiko's story is mm. not the only one. We've all had bad experiences, and so it, it's so. I wonder whether it'll be a blend of. Yumiko's story as well as others. Yeah, well, that was, that was what I was going to say. I mean, yeah. obviously, yeah. Um, you and, and, you know, and many of the people who are going to be involved in this production have, have been in, around in, in, in the hospital system and in, in medical training and, and practice for, yeah. for many years. How much did her story yeah. resonate with you? I mean, did, is it, did it sort of trigger any sort of memories yeah. of your own sort of experiences early on or, or even, you know, people that you worked with, you, you saw other people struggling perhaps? Yeah, it did. And that's this is why I guess it's a, a bit of a tipping point. Um, you know, we, I've heard of stories like that. I've experienced some of it as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, her story, and she was being open enough to, you know, being under the media attention is not easy because you're under the spotlight and people are going to dissect the story and, you know, people are going to give positive and negative feedback and all that sort of thing. So mm -hmm. she was very brave. A lot of us just suffer and don't don't say anything and a lot of the comments were that it happened to me but i i never said anything i just i just you know did the term a lot of you know there are a lot of people and, and i talk as because i do do these lectures on communication a lot of people just say look i just want to get you know i'm suffering and i'm I, this is all happening but i just want to get the end to the end of the term yeah i'm suffering because i know it's three months i know there's an end point there yeah. yeah yeah exactly I, i'm suffering now and then and this cycle is continuing. <laughs> it's just like, um, but the, you know, the bottom line is, I, I spoke to another emergency doctor who who will be attending the meeting, and she said, the the, the thing, what is it that what is the what is it that suffering at the moment? Yes, doctors, we're suffering, but it's really we worry about patient care in this setting. Like a doctor that's burning out. Well, yeah, that know. was one of the that was one of the things that really came through to me when in reading her, you know, her account um, of it. Mm. That she put together, I think, for the Guardian. 
that was the thing that sort of really screamed out off the page at me. It was just how um, to the degree to which patient safety uh, really was seemed to be being jeopardized. You know, obviously this is her account. Um, of yeah. it. Um, but it yes, did, yes, did seem to be, um, and you know, you, you, I wasn't there, and, and neither were you, obviously. But based on her account, it did seem to be, a, you know, a quite um, alarming degree to which patient safety was being um, put in the back seat, um, yeah. and, and it was just getting the job done and having somewhere, someone yeah. in the room to deal with the patient, regardless of their how much sleep they had, what their mental um, state was as a result of their workload and, and all of those factors. It did seem quite alarming to me from, from a health system yes. perspective that that was being allowed to happen. Yeah, yeah, and if you think about it, like, we don't, I think doctors are reticent. They don't want to mention this um, because obviously there are, you know, people, there were all these pressures about no, you should be toughing, you know, you should be toughing it up. And yeah, well, I think mean, she said that in her piece, and she, yeah. um, that was one of yeah. the big pieces. The, the reason why she kept toughing out is because she was worried about being blacklisted or or negatively mm. um, affecting her career mm. pro, um, prospects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that that's a, that's the point. But you know, if if you go into this, if you go into medicine and and you're in there for other reasons, uh, there are a lot of reasons why you go into medicine: prestige, money, whatever. But you know, if if you've, I guess the the common decent doctors really, you know, we worry about our patients. We we, that's why we go into medicine. You mm. know, like we we want to take care of med, you know, our patients. And then, if the point of it is, and you, a number of doctors have said that, like I, you know, they say I was the, I was the only doctor that was there looking after these patients, and then they make a complaint, and then you know they. They get told that you know toughen up, and then they find the following term, the following year, they put four registrar or four registrars registrar doing it. So here you are, one person struggling. You make a complaint, you get dismissed, but then you know the powers that be somehow find a way to give you the four, the next the term, that the you next needed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they've affected it, but they've said that you're you're not coping and it's your fault <laughs> yeah. but then they've addressed it next year by doing uh, employing other people so it's it's like that sort of you know you're heard but you're not heard you know yeah. and it's sort of yeah there's that not that sort of um, formal acknowledgement of there of the why um, those sort of actions are being taken it's just sort of quiet sort of shift that happens in the background mm. yeah yeah so it's it's a complicated world mm. <laughs> it's a complicated world sure and Sometimes we don't understand it anyway. <laughs> you mentioned just I'll I'll yep. ask you one more question. Um sure. and then yeah, we might yeah. leave it there for today. Um yeah. you mentioned before when you were talking about your early days and the need to focus mm-hmm. on just on, you know, your your training and your shifts and, and all of yes. the, the the you know, whether it was a clinical time or the, the training time and education and study and all yes. of the things that go into that. Um yes. and having you know, zero time or energy to be able to put into creativity. I asked yes. you, I think I was, when I was researching for this um, interview and going over some of my old yep. notes and things, I found uh, when I asked you, I asked you a question eight, about eight years ago, I interviewed you. Oh, okay. For, for thinking <laughs> yeah. medical observer. I said, what was the best single piece of advice you would give to a medical student? And you said that not to <laughs> let, you said, don't let medicine suppress your creativity as an undergraduate, but also once you graduate, continue to nurture it. I think that's, you know, something that obviously you've been very, very good at yourself. I just wonder, certainly in that in that early stage, um, when it yeah. when it is so all you know time and energy consuming, um, the medicine side. I mean, 
how is how is, is do you have any advice for people who who might be trying to find some sort of um uh, you know whether it's a, the, the time that they need to set aside or just the the emotional um energy that to, to be able to invest in doing something non-medical um at that stage of the career what what sort of advice would you have in trying to strike an, a balance during that really tricky period yeah well it's 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 it is hard it is very hard <clears throat> um and i guess i I'm, i now break it down into two components um you can be a passive appreciator of creativity so you know if your outlet is to <clears throat> go and see a play or go and see a movie or read a good book and you know that's a you, you passively go ahead and give yourself time to break away from the study and from your um you know from your work pressures so mm. that's something that's understandable and everyone you know has an appreciation of that immediately the more um the more difficult component is to be an active participant of it. So you go actively to, you know, paint a picture or actively write a poem or actively write a story or, or actively, you know, go into the performance arts and be part of amateur theatre. And mm. That's difficult because you have to have commit time and you've got to, you know, go to performances and rehearsals and or, you you, you know, you, you if you go into the, the hardest of all those creative pursuits is actually filmmaking. That is the, the most time-consuming, and I don't think you can get away with it by working full-time. So the doctors that I speak to have gone into this part-time. Mm. They go part-time. Mm. So they, you know, whether they job share, some of the early, you know, if you're early part of training, they, they, there's an option now to job share. Yep. And others, when you're a more senior level like myself, you go to part-time work. So you do allow the energy to write to think about, you know, making a film, to bring people together, you know, all that that process is, yeah, sure. is a lot harder. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but, you know, in, uh, my own personal bias, my own personal viewpoint, making a movie, uh, and, and actually I'm talking about beyond making short films now, sure. you're making a movie as hard as it is, like with all the script and, you know, production and post-production and, getting it out there and finding a distributor and, you know, finding the financing to make the film that you make a movie. It is, it is a last, it it is out there. It is a legacy that you can, you know, a well-made movie, well-executed movie will have a potential to be a lasting legacy for, you know, I mean, my, my gold standard is chariots of fire that people are watching still (laughs) years later And financial success that that Charles of Fire, the producer who came out a few out here a few years ago, was saying every year that film gets screened around the world. It's got licensing agreements. People pay. He gets a hundred thousand dollar check a year <laughs> for. And so you've got a commercial success. You can have, uh, you know, a chance of making money from the project. Um, you you leave a legacy. You make good messages. You you know you have whatever messages you have there multi-layered story you know it's not so you know whatever you get drawn into a drama anyway there's a lot of good reasons why a, a movie in in my bias uh it will make a you know has the most impact that was Tony Chu. I uh, hope you enjoyed our chat. Uh, really exciting project he's embarking on there, so it'll be fascinating to see what comes out of that. Definitely watch that space. 
Another quick reminder to register for CCIM 2019 on the Gold Coast this August. You can go to creativecareersinmedicine.com for all the details and to register. And of course, you can follow CCIM on Facebook and Instagram. This has been an Embrace Creative production for Creative Careers in Medicine. We'll be back with more interviews like this one, so stay tuned.